on today's episode of the Blue Bloods, September 16th, Tennessee is back. Well, sort of. Uh, we're going to take a look at our outcomes of our pick six. We update our Blue Bloods top 15 polls. We have hot seat top performers and our updated playoff pictures. Uh, not only that, but we have an all new segment as usual, every episode dumpster fires. So let's go ahead and get it started. Let's go ahead and get started with our pick six recap. Um, so our, our first game that we chose was Pittsburgh at number 13, Penn State. And this game was a lot closer than a lot of people thought. Uh, Penn State edged this one out 17 to 10. Yeah, uh, Penn State didn't play a great game, but neither did Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's rushing, rushing attack was absolutely non-existent. Only 24 yards rushing, one yard per rush. Their leading rusher for the game had one carry for nine yards. For a Power 5 team in a game like this, that is absolutely unacceptable. Right, and Pittsburgh was a team that I defended to the fullest uh, last week at least. And so uh, I'm kind of embarrassed for myself there. Um, I mean, it's a team that I said made the ACC championship last year as they did, um, even if they were uh, – beaten by Clemson pretty soundly. You know, they still made their conference championship above uh, teams like Virginia, uh, North Carolina in their division. And and to see them come out for nine yards total, I'm sorry, nine yards is their longest carry. Is their, you know, that's the most that one player carried for this uh, this game. That's, that's, that's not great. But we did see the quarterback, uh, Kenny Pickett, throw for 372 yards, which I guess makes up for it a little bit at least. Yeah, neither quarterback, I mean, they both threw for a good amount of yards. Clifford for Penn State threw for over 200. And as you just mentioned, Pickett for Pittsburgh threw for 372. Neither one had a touchdown, though. So I don't it, – it's very, very rare you see both quarterbacks combined for almost 600 yards without getting it in the end zone at least once. Right. Uh, and on the other side of the ball with uh, Penn State, we do see, you know, their, their leading rusher had 109 yards. Um, so that, you know, that, that's refreshing. We see that, I mean, he, I don't think he scored a touchdown though. Um, but, but in any case, uh, you know, we see struggles from this Pittsburgh team. Uh, and I think that this entire game was kind of summed up in the fourth quarter where we see uh, the goal line stand by Penn State. You know, Pittsburgh had the ball at, at, Penn State's one-yard line, uh, ran three plays, then opted to kick a field goal rather than trying to tie this game. Uh, and they only rushed the ball one time in, in this attempt. Yeah. Um, they had two pass plays in that goal line, um, I guess, uh, that, that red zone opportunity. One went for an incompletion and the other one went for a sack, and then they missed a field goal. So it, it was one of the worst red zone I guess execute like I don't understand how you don't execute in the red zone. I mean, they were at the inch yard line, and they had so little faith in their rushing game that they decided to throw it 
two out of three times from the inch yard line, you should be able to just sneeze across the line at at that point. Your offensive line just has to man up and get you in the end zone, especially with the game on the line like that, knowing you could tie the score against a pretty good Penn State team and maybe even have a chance to go to overtime with them. Right, and at some point you have to figure – well, let's run the ball three times or run the ball twice. And if you don't, you know, if you don't score, then maybe run a play action or, or maybe run like a, I mean, something, maybe a tight end fade uh, and try to get the ball in the end zone. But I mean, if you, if you can't put the ball in the end zone from the one yard line to tie the game, uh, you at least go for it on fourth down. I mean, what, what is Pat Narduzzi thinking trying to kick a field goal here? And they missed, by the way. I, I really think it was more. He didn't trust the running game. And also that sack set them back enough where he knew that Penn State was going to be expecting the pass. So therefore he felt like he left his play calling, I guess, you know, that predictability went way up on what kind of play he was going to call. And he wasn't confident. So he figured, hey, if we get a field goal here, we have to get a touchdown later. So why not? And we'll win the game if we get that touchdown. So I understand the call to a point. But as a power five team in the ACC, you have to have a running back that can get you a yard. You have to. And if you don't, you're not going to compete. And that's exactly what we see in the ACC. We see a conference that's dominated by Clemson, but outside of Clemson, I mean, who really is competing for a playoff spot? Who's really competing for that, for that conference? Yeah, honestly, I don't see them competing for the ACC they really let a good situation go. And this could have been a win to set their program, I guess, on a better trajectory than, you know, a loss like this would. But if they don't figure out their rushing attack by the end of the year or even by next week, this team could be into some real trouble getting into ACC play. Right. It's going to be tough. Uh, For this matchup, I chose – I said that Penn State would win, but Pitt would cover. It was a 17-point spread. Uh, I was right on both of my picks there. How did you do, Zach? Yeah, I picked Penn State. I said they they would come they would come pretty close to covering, probably cover. So I wasn't right on the cover on the spread, but I definitely figured Penn State had the better team, so they should come out with the win, which they did. And even though it was a sloppy win, all that matters in football right now is just get out with the win, no matter how sloppy. Keep yourself alive in the playoff race. And Penn State has enough games later in their season to really put themselves in position to get a playoff berth. Uh, moving on to our next matchup, we have Stanford at UCF. And UCF pulls this win out pretty by a pretty big margin. Uh, they won 45-27 in Orlando. Um, you know, the spread was eight and a half points. And this game really wasn't even as close as the score would indicate. I mean, UCF was up 38-10 to 10 at halftime. Yeah, Stanford scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to make this game look like it was a close game. I think so. the different I think the difference was the quarterback play for both teams. Costello was not good enough to win throwing for less than 200 yards and a touchdown and an interception while Dylan Gabriel was absolutely magnificent. 347 yards and four touchdowns. He was the X factor and he is why a lot of people should be on the lookout for this UCF team. That he he really could lead this team into another New Year's Six Bowl and maybe even playoff contention if they keep winning. But they're going to need some teams to lose. And 
I think the national media and just fans in general aren't giving them a lot of respect. So they have to come out here and when they have these opportunities, beat teams like Stanford like this by a lot of points to have people not say, oh, they got lucky on the play here or there. They left no doubt in this game. As you said, 38-7 to before halftime, that's not a fluke. No, it's it's not a fluke. And I do want to correct myself. I said I said 38-10. It was 38-7 at halftime. Um, but, but speaking of Dylan Gabriel, um, yet another freshman quarterback for the Knights. Or not for the Knights, but, but another uh, freshman quarterback who has just been explosive this season. And, and I don't know what it is, but um, it seems like these freshman quarterback uh, this year, there's something going on. Yeah, I think we've talked about this on some other episodes where – the type of offenses they're running in high school nowadays and being exposed to a lot of these quarterback camps and private quarterback coaches and things like that are really helping these freshmen come in and be ready to contribute to a team and be able for be be ready for big moments. These kids play state championships in college stadiums, NFL stadiums. So they're ready for the moment and it's showing and, I think it's going to change recruiting a lot because, I mean, you see quarterbacks who might not be the number one quarterback in the country coming out here and performing better than some juniors and seniors have in the past. That is true. Uh, aside from Dylan Gabriel, we, we see uh, we see UCF's running back, uh, Greg McRae, go for 109 yards this game and only 11 carries. Uh, not only that, but he had a touchdown – uh, no receiving yards, but that's and that's an average of 10 yards per carry almost. Yeah, and we talked about it last episode, if you watched. Stanford's defense has to figure this out. The Pac-12 doesn't have a lot of slow offenses. There are some powerful, high-octane offenses in the Pac-12, and this is not a good showing, especially a week after getting beat by USC and also allowing 45 points in that game. This, this game reminded me a little bit of, of that game, except I think UCF has a more explosive offense than USC. Right, but Stanford so has to – yeah, they, their speed is shocking, especially because the narrative around the country is that they don't have speed compared to Power 5 programs. And I think they're putting that to rest because they look just as fast as Auburn, just as fast as LSU, and they looked faster than Stanford. They did. Um, another note that I have is that KJ Costello needs to figure this out. I mean, he's a senior quarterback and you know, on this game, he was 47%. I mean, you can't, you can't come into this game going 21 for 44 and expecting to compete. Um, I mean, he matched touchdowns and interceptions at one, uh, less than 200 yards passing on this game. I mean, you've have, you have to figure something out. You can't, you can't come into this game throwing less than 50% and expect to beat this UCF team. Yeah, you really can't, and I, I think that's another factor that's going to play into this Pac-12 struggle for Stanford this year. They're 1-2 and two now in the season, 0-1 in the Pac-12 after their loss to USC. They really need to figure this out. Uh, their defense had a lot of high hopes coming off the 17-7 to win over Northwestern Week 1, but I haven't seen anything in these past two weeks to tell me that they're even making any adjustments or improving. And I can see a lot of these teams later in their schedule picking this defense apart and making the, making it real hard for the Stanford team to compete for the Pac-12 or, worst case, a bowl game. Right. Um, 
So let's move on from this one to our uh, USC-BYU matchup, our first upset of the weekend. Um, USC came into this game a four-point favorite, and BYU edged them out by a field goal in overtime. Yeah, as high as me and Brandon were on Keaton Slovis, he cost USC this game. I mean, we're going to have to swallow some of those words. Yeah, the three interceptions he threw were unacceptable, especially the one in overtime. I understand it was third and six, and he was trying to make a play to keep his team alive, but you only needed a field goal. So your number one priority in that situation should be no turnovers. So even if you had to throw it away and take the field goal to move into the next round of overtime, do that. The kid has a very, very bright future, but he is the reason that USC lost this game. Right, and I'm not going to be too down on him. Um, I mean, just based off of his matchup last weekend, uh, you know, I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, I, I do think that he had one standout game, um, and that's going to set him apart, you know, at least at this point in the season. But, I mean, you can't come out against this BYU team or, or really any team and have, you know, throw, throw over two touchdowns but three interceptions. Um, we – we were a little bit too high on him for sure. Um, uh, you know, I react with my heart. It's, a, it's the way to go. And so uh, sometimes it bounces me. On the flip side, though, that kid, Zach Wilson from BYU. Oh, yeah. Uh, X factor of the game. I mean, he was making play after play, 280 yards, a touchdown, and then a big rushing touchdown right up the middle. Um, the kid has some moxie to him. He has a lot of confidence. You could tell his teammates rally around him. That kid also has a bright future. Um, I'm not jumping on him like I did Keaton Slovis a week ago, but the kid, the kid's a nice, a nice player. And I think that BYU is in good hands for the next few years. All right. And moving on to our next matchup, uh, we have college game day, uh, number 19, Iowa at Iowa state. Iowa came in as a two point favorite, um, and they won by less than that. You know, one of the things that I mentioned on our last episode was that if you can't, if you cannot cover a two-point spread, then you're not trying. And I really don't think Iowa was trying here. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what this game would have been like without the, I think it was four hours of rain delays. Man. <laughs> um, that That's rough, man. I mean, that's a, but this was one of the best games of the weekend. I still think it probably would have been without the rain delays, but that just added a whole new like level of excitement for this game. I, I, I saw a video of the fans stormed the field during the rain delay and was and were playing in the rain while the teams were in the locker room. And my first thought was, one, where was security? And two, that looks like an awesome time. So um, props to the Iowa State fans for sticking through four hours of rain delay. No, it was probably an awesome time, and I can't help but think this is just what happens in Iowa. Um, there's probably no laws there. I've never been there, never really had a reason to go. Um, but it just seems like all-out anarchy and all you know, all around a good time. <laughs> yeah, I, it was it was an interesting game, but Iowa State should have won this game, in my opinion. They should have, really. The punt miscue at the end of the game was just heartbreaking to watch. I mean – how do you just – I mean, he leveled his own player. I thought they were going to call targeting on him. I mean, it was insane. I was like, there's got to be some type of call or something <laughs> that your punt returner doesn't get targeted by your own team. I mean, that is just – it was just unacceptable. Your, just inject yeah. your own player. Right. I just – I don't understand how that happens at that point of the game. 
and I was that 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 mistake gave Iowa this game. So they survived a big rivalry game on the road, and I give them props for it because after the rain delays, it was it was going to be a sloppy game, and Iowa found a way to win. So I don't take anything away from them. Yeah, and I might be alone in thinking this, but this wasn't necessarily a fun game to watch. Um, an eighteen seventeen victory for Iowa. I mean, after waiting four hours for the rain delay, like you said, um, coming back to see, you know, Iowa kick. Uh, I mean, I think all their points came from field goals, right? They just kicked six field goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They scored a touchdown. They they just didn't, you know, they didn't get their two point conversion. That's what it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, they kicked field goals all the way up until the fourth quarter. I mean, they they had nine points coming into the fourth quarter. They were down fourteen to nine. Um, it's tough. It was it was a tough had, game to watch for me. Yeah, and I think the difference to me was the turnover battle by Iowa. Uh, they won two zero in that battle, and that ended up being the difference in the game. Especially the fumble um, on the punt return. It really wasn't a fumble though. It was just you know his teammate clocking the punt returner. So. <laughs> Um, that those t- that that turnover another one was difference in the game and Iowa sneaks by and they have a chance to you know compete for the Big Ten and this was a game that could have been a big trap game especially with the rain delay college game day all the passion and I give them major props for coming out with a win. Right. No. I mean, and and it was an impressive win. Um, you know, it, the one point. You know, well, I wouldn't really be categorized as an impressive win in a lot of books, but. In this rivalry, um, one that you know goes back and forth year to year. I think Iowa's won the past four years now, but um, I mean historically, it's it's been up in the air. And you know, for them to pull out this win at Iowa State is impressive in itself. No doubt. And Iowa, at one point in the game, I believe converted on nine of fifteen third down opportunities. That is impressive on the road in the rain to compete to complete like convert that many third down opportunities. I'm highly impressed with that stat. When I heard it and saw it during the game, I was very taken aback because as you're watching games, you can't, you don't really keep up with that kind of stuff in your head. I knew they were converting a lot of them, but when I heard nine of 15 and I believe they finished even better than that, that is an impressive statistic. No, that's, that that is, that is insane. Um, But moving on, we'll go on to uh, look at number one Clemson at Syracuse, a game that's been very difficult for Clemson in the past at least two seasons. Uh, Mm. See the exact opposite this year. Uh, (laughs) I was about to say. Six win. Um, And I was wrong. Yeah, I said Syracuse would cover. I thought that, you know, it's a 27.5 point spread. Uh, I thought there was no way that they lose – they get blown out of the water in a game that's been pretty close the past two seasons. I mean, Syracuse won two years ago out of nowhere. To, to be fair, I told you that Clemson was that good. And I was the first one to say it last week and our preview episode for this past week. Clemson's defense is outstanding, only allowing 15 rushing yards, 11 first downs, and only allowing 187 total yards the entire game. That is just – that's disrespectful to do to a team in their home stadium because it's a nice stadium. I mean, they got a dome. I mean, that's that's a very nice stadium. And just to be disrespected like that, 41-6. to six, I mean, and all six points came in the second quarter. Clemson's defense is going to be a problem in the ACC this year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, 
One thing I did want to touch on is Trevor Lawrence, who had a good game, in my opinion. I mean, three touchdowns, 395 passing yards. But he is, he's got to do something about these interceptions. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what to tell him because he's throwing for crazy numbers, but he's still throwing all these interceptions. Yeah, and the scary part is how good would this team be without his interception issues this year? I mean, they've beat Syracuse 41-6 to on the road. If he doesn't throw two interceptions, I mean, how ugly does he get? Are we talking 60 nothing win? I mean, the interceptions are putting his team in ba- – his defense in bad positions. But other than cleaning up the interceptions, I don't have much to say. I still am not on the boat of Trevor Lawrence is overrated. Uh, I hear, I've been hearing a lot more of that after this week, and I don't think he is. I, I think it might be a slow start, but – they're still winning games, and until his mistakes cost him the game, I'm not here to say that he isn't a good player because I've heard the narrative that we jumped on his performance and he was way too overrated, but he he led this team to a national championship last year, so I'm not here to say that he is overrated at this point. No, he's definitely not overrated. I mean, he threw for three touchdowns. He ran for another I mean, you can't score four touchdowns in a game and throw for 400 yards and be called overrated. I, what, that's a, I know that we have a lot of takes on this show. Um, I, you know, if you listen to our last Heisman, uh, if you listen to our last Heisman picks uh, segment, you know that we're all about hot takes. But this isn't one that I'm going to jump on. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the nation right now. Um, you. I mean, I, I feel like I'm repeating like, myself. But. There's there's hot takes, and then there's, like, uneducated takes. And I'm pumped. takes. Yeah. Like, that's just people trying to be, like, a hot take factory and not having facts. Because just because the dude throws some interceptions doesn't mean he's overrated. I mean, that, that but the same people are saying he's overrated were, like, were the same ones saying that Tua was just having a bad game because he was hurt. Um, when he did play well down the stretch in Alabama's chip, uh, national championship appearance run last year, I'm, just because the person has a bad three games that they still win over very good competition, I'm not here to say that Trevor Lawrence is just falling off a cliff or is not a very good quarterback. I think that's just that's being a prisoner at the moment, and that's just trying to overreact to some miscues. You know, and we're all about overreacting here. We love doing that, but we we're not going to <laughs> you know, we're not going to die on this on this mountain. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the in the nation right now, and that's I don't even know how that's a debate. Um, yeah, the the one player I am going to address though is Travis Etienne. Um, another slow game. Um, Fourteen carries for seventy six yards. Uh, you know, he came out explosive against Georgia Tech, just lighting up the scoreboard. And I believe we both said that he could make a run at the Heisman, but it seems like teams are starting to focus on him more and he's not being as productive. No, it, it definitely seems that way. I mean, but when you think about it or when, when you look at it even, I mean, he had 14 carries for 76 yards this week. I mean, that's five yards a carry. I mean, you hand the ball off to him and he gets five yards. <laughs> what else could you want? I, I, and this is another moment where, you know, he didn't score any touchdowns either, but that's beside the point. I mean, but this is another moment where we're kind of low on this guy. And I think it's because he's been so good historically. And so he's been having, you know, a couple of off games. I mean, but come on. <laughs> I mean, this, this guy's the truth. I mean, if I had five yards per carry, 
I don't know what I do with myself. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I mean, dude, I wish, I wish that my, my team's running backs had five yards per carry every single carry. I mean, that'd be, I, mean that'd be awesome. I, really, I really think he's falling. Like his stats are being hurt because the amount of talent this Clemson offense has. You have Trevor Lawrence who has to have touches. You have Justin Ross who has to have touches. You have T. Higgins. You have Amari Rogers. You have Travis Etienne. I mean, that's a lot of people to put the ball in their hands. So I think that I think we'll see a few games down the stretch where Travis Etienne really blows up and lights up the scoreboard where Trevor Lawrence or T. Higgins or one of these other big players, their stat their stats suffer because of Travis Etienne because I mean, I get your point because when your quarterback throws for 400 yards, odds are your running back didn't have a outstanding day, mostly right. because the quarterback was in your – the ball was in your quarterback's hands. Right. Um, and and Clemson still had a better ground game this week than Pitt did. Um, so that's why they're at the top of the ACC right now. And Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I mean, Travis Etienne, I mean, he's a, he's a great running back. I think he's had a couple of off weeks, but – I mean, I can't, I can't crucify the guy for, for five yards per carry. Yeah, I saw a debate talking about that since Trevor Lawrence is struggling, does that mean that they don't deserve to be number one in the country? Who do I need to and, fight? I'll do it. I mean, I guess the people at ESPN and other places, I mean, I've seen multiple people post about it. So I'm very shocked to hear that people are already jumping off the Clemson bandwagon after two straight weeks beating – Two teams that were ranked this season at one point. Once one got beat twenty-four to six, and the other one forty-one to six, and they beat the team on the forty-one to six on the road against a team that they've historically had problems beating. And we're talking about that we should put them behind Alabama. No. I mean, I don't understand. And Alabama was played their first, I believe. I mean, first decent team this year, this week. So. I just – I'm not getting behind that, and I think people really need to reevaluate their opinions on Clemson because I think this team is still the real deal. You know what, and I'll be honest. If, if I'm Clemson, or even if – I mean, you can take this to an even you know more personal level. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, put down this much, but that's only because my last season last year was so great that we're not looking quite as good. So we're, you know, we're, you know, we're getting talked down on. I mean, that's, think about how good you have to be for, for you to win 41 to six. And then people uh, or outlets that are talking about you underperforming, or maybe you're not the best team in the nation because you won 41 to six. That's, I mean, you beat a Texas A&M team last week. I mean, I mean, they they were ranked in the top 15 of the country. Yeah. I'm just not going for it. I had to get that off my chest. Sorry to all the listeners. We get on a tangent sometimes, but that is a I'll, cold take. And I'm the upset that one is just, I'm taking yeah. Zach's spot. I'm, I mean, I'm the one I need to go check. I don't know what I need to check. Probably my blood pressure because <laughs> I'm getting worked up. Now, let's move oh, on man. before I have a heart attack. Um, <laughs> so uh, with our last pick six matchup, uh, we have number five Oklahoma going to visit UCLA. Uh, the Cayman is 23-and-a-half-point favorites, um, and I chose Oklahoma, and I chose them to cover the spread, which they did, not to brag. Um, man, they came in here, and, and Jalen Hurts is just so, so good. <laughs> On this show, for the rest of, these, rest of the episodes, until Jalen Hurts goes to the NFL, 
he will strictly be referred to as Jalen Hosman in my book. Jalen Because because this kid is winning the Hosman, and I will I'll put my paycheck on it. It doesn't matter. Die on that hill. I will die on this. This is the hill we are going to die on on the podcast. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. I mean, I I don't understand. I don't even get how he's so good. Like. At Alabama, you were scared when he didn't hand the ball off. You were like, oh, boy, please call another play. Someone sack him. Do not let him throw this ball. Two, he looks like the best passer in college football at some points. Yeah, at some points. And not only the best passer, but he's the most mobile quarterback in college football. I mean, he's – I think every game to this point, he's been their leading rusher. He had 150 yards this week. On their first drive of the game, he – or, like – the first two jobs or something like that. He ran, he had four carries for 99 yards and a touchdown. That's nuts. And his touchdown carry was on fourth and three where he took it for like 50 yards. <laughs> That's just disrespectful, man. I told you the uh, last episode, I told everybody, all our listeners, Brandon, everybody after the game, they should just have the Hosman ceremony on UCLA's field. And he did it again. Almost 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, another 150 yards rushing, and a touchdown. Dude, for everyone who thought that that Baker Mayfield planting the planting the Oklahoma flag in the middle of Ohio State's uh, field was disrespectful, imagine if you had a Heisman ceremony in the middle of your opponent's field after a victory. I'm here for it. No, I'm Sign here for it up. too. Yeah, Sign me I mean, up. I'll buy tickets to that. <laughs> Jalen Hosman is going to take Oklahoma into the playoffs. Now, I had a lot of people tell me that Texas was better than Oklahoma this year, and that is just not true. And they are going to beat Texas to death, in my opinion. But this defense has to do something. I mean, this is – I understand that they won 48-14, to 14, and that's, you know, the 14 points, I mean – I don't know how how deserved they were. I mean, they were they were good plays. I mean, one was like a like what like a fifteen yard pass um, in the second quarter, and then we had I think it was I think it was an even shorter pass later on. But Oklahoma's defense, dude, their defense needs to do something though. It's UCLA. It was, it was UCLA. So fourteen points was really thirty in my book. So, <laughs> but they still win. I mean, UCLA is like terrible. I mean, that was my next point. Chip Kelly, some, you know, we were on the fire, fire Jeremy Pruitt. Fire Chip Kelly for me. And I'll Jeremy sign Pruitt. the paperwork. I will sign the paperwork. Do you, you can put anyone you want as head coach. I don't even care who it is. Just fire Chip Kelly. I mean, good Lord, how long are we going to let him do this? This is disrespectful. I used to love watching UCLA games because they were always decent. Like, you know, they were always in bowl games. There was a point where they were really good. But – Oh, and three, and it's looking like even it's going to be even worse. Fire Chip Kelly. Quote this, fire Chip Kelly. You know what I think they should do? I think that they should fire Chip Kelly, and then Tennessee should fire Jeremy Pruitt, and then we send them both um, to, I don't know, like a, like a group of five school, maybe like – we'll send them to Louisville. See how they do in Louisville. And um, that could be like a reality TV show. Just those two. I mean, it was, they should just go to Arena League football, bro. Something oh, no one XFL. Really watches. No, let's do there XFL. There you go. That there you go. Fun. We can bring back the AAF that lasted like three weeks into the season. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, come on. 
Let's go. Ain't that not that disrespectful, right? <laughs> no, no. I mean, there were there were some sketchy financials for sure. Um, you know, the books were. Uh, I don't really know what happened to the books, but uh, no one does, man. It's it, they're in the the Bermuda Triangle right now. It's fine. Yeah, but but I mean, back to this matchup. Jalen Hurts is, and like I said, he's he's so good. Uh, you know, he went 15 for 20 this game uh, with 289 yards and three passing touchdowns. I mean, then 14 carries for 150 yards. I mean, every single time he gets his hand on the ball, I mean, he's going for a first down. Yeah, no doubt. And what ha- does UCLA not have a running back? I no, mean, I, I don't dude, think. Their, their, their leading rusher was a wide receiver. No, that's – I mean. That's, what? And they're, they're the only running back I found, like, in the stats, their leading rusher as a running back only averaged 2.8 yards to carry. Uh, are you serious? Like, are you kidding me? I mean, (laughs) like, are you kidding me? You were UCLA and you can't find a running back. No, they're a big jets, big jet sweep school. Oh, good Lord. I'll have a stroke over here. Like I do. They're like running backs. You can just get like, I thought you could just pick one off the side of the street, bro. There's running backs everywhere. Like that's a position that like you should always have like I get it you can't find a defensive end like J.J. Watt understandable but there's a reason why there's a bunch of running backs always drafted in fantasy because there's like 900 of them that can run the ball and you can't find one we're gonna have to have like an intervention for you Zach because at the end of our pick six every single episode you just get so worked up I love it I'm telling you man like this podcast has taken years off my life. I'm a dot like 32 and it, everyone's going to be like, what happened is well, well, let's see if UCLA couldn't find a running back and Jeremy Pruitt is still the coach of Tennessee. So we died of a stroke. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It took Zach out. Man. It took years <laughs> off. It's okay, guys. We're, we're, we're here for fire Jeremy Pruitt, fire Chip Kelly and hashtag find UCLA a running back. There we go. Let's move on to our next segment. Um, so we have our new top 15s, and they are exciting this week. <laughs> oh. uh, I guess we've been doing like a snake draft for our top 15. I mean, it's not really a draft. I guess we've just been doing – we've been listing these off um, in snake order, I guess is what you call it. Um, in any case, let's go ahead and get started with our with number 15 for me. Um, this is a team that was previously not ranked, and – since it's a top 15 and not a top 25, I'm kind of treating it the same way that the AP or uh, the coaches poll would treat a top 25. Um, and I'm going to overreact to the smallest win or well, one of, <laughs> one of the best wins of the weekend, uh, which was Arizona state beating Michigan state and oh, Arizona God. state lands in at my number 15 slot for that reason. Oh Lord. No, I mean, this is come on. Uh, 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 well, I don't even know, man. 15, are you serious? They got outplayed. Dude, I'm overreacting. You know that. That's oh, what I do. Come Jesus. On. Same dude that's got UCF in the top 10. Oh, my Lord. All right. Wait till the end of the year then. I mean, oh, I'm burning <laughs> you up later. Go ahead. What's your What's your 15? <laughs> so, my 15 is a team I just trash talked. Have UCF at 15. There we go. They were, not, they were not in my top 15 last week. Uh, we already talked We already talked about their performance, an amazing 45-27 win over Stanford. They're not higher in my top 15 because Stanford is not that good. We just saw them get destroyed by USC, who just got beat by BYU. So they will be at 15 until further notice. Okay. 
And so my 14 team did not move. They were 14 last week, which was Oregon. Um, 35. They had a 35-3 to win over Montana. Decent win. I would hope you would score over 30 on Montana and not let them score a touchdown. Great we're job, big Montana guys. So we need to, we need yeah. to slander. Yeah, so I don't know. So Oregon's going to stay at 14. This week there weren't a lot of big matchups in for ranked teams, so um, there's not going to be. I don't. I don't suspect a bunch of movement in the rankings. No, I mean, and this is you know I mentioned it in the last episode there were no matchups between two ranked teams you know this week, and so I mean, for that reason that this is going to be the most boring segment we've had to date. Um, so my number fourteen, no movement here. I've got Texas A&M. Um, I had them at 14 last week. I have no reason to move them because they didn't lose. So got Texas A&M at 14 going to 13. Um, I do have a team that's moved up two spots and that's because I think that they've had a more impressive year than A&M. Um, so they jumped them. I had them at 15 last week. This is Utah and Utah is one of those teams that I guess now that Washington lost, um, last week could maybe win the PAC 12, um, so I've got them at 13 for that reason. Yeah, so my number 13 team did not move. Coming off a heartbreaking loss last week, we have Texas. They beat Rice 48-13. to 13. Um, Not bad. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, there will be some big matchups coming up later in the year for Texas. So they have a chance to redeem themselves. And I would say they're still in playoff contention if they went out, even after the loss to LSU. Right. Oh, especially yeah. if they beat Oklahoma. Yeah, no doubt. If they beat Oklahoma, I mean, that, that will be impressive. I'll just say that because odds are they'll have to beat them twice because they'll most likely have to face them in the Big 12 championship as well. Yep, yep, yep. You know, and so my biggest mover in my top 15 is this next team who has who dropped two spots from number 10, Uh-oh. and it's Florida. Uh, we saw Florida come, have a comeback win over Kentucky on the road, 29-21. Their drop is mainly because I moved two teams up who have looked more impressive than Florida because they've had two sloppy wins and they didn't play anyone the second week. So I'm not high on Florida. They just lost Felipe Franks to their starting quarterback to a dislocated ankle. Horrible, horrible injury. Um, So right now Florida is going to be my number 12 team. I don't suspect this season is going to go as well as many fans thought because of the Felipe Franks injury. Right, and I don't know what they did to come back after that injury, but they they came back and beat Kentucky after he was out of the game um, because they didn't really have an impressive ground game, but this is for another time. Um, So my number 12 is going to be Texas, and they moved up one spot from last week for me. Um, I mean, same reasons that you had, I guess. I mean, this is a good team. I mean, this is a great team, really. Probably the best or second-best team in the Pac-12, in my opinion. Um, and if they can beat Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry um, and they can beat them in the Pac-12 championship, this is definitely a playoff team in my opinion. Um, so for that reason, I can't, you know, I didn't move them down too much after losing to LSU last week and I'll actually bump them up a spot this week. At number 11, I've got a team who had a bye week. Uh, I've got Michigan. Uh, I think Michigan is still one of the best teams in the, in the Big Ten um, even with their overtime game versus Army. And so, for that reason, I've got them right outside of my top ten. So, my number 11 team also had a bye week. 
Uh, it is Wisconsin moving up one spot, mostly because of Florida's drop. Uh, yeah, they have a huge matchup this coming week with Michigan. And this, I think, personally can determine who really actually takes control of the Big, the big Ten. And I think it's going to be an amazing matchup, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and so my number 10 team also moved up a spot. Very impressive team. I think grossly underrated, and it's Utah. Moving up one spot, they had a 31 to nothing win over Idaho State. They had a good week one win over BYU. I think this team is very underrated. They have a great running back, um, Zach Moss. And I think this team could surprise a lot of people, and I think this is the last hope for a playoff berth for the Pac-12. And, and Utah needs to win out and have some teams above them lose which is actually very doable for them because a lot of the teams that are above them play each other. So if Utah keeps winning, they can sneak into the playoffs, in my opinion. Right. Um, with my number 10, I've got Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame looks uh, a lot better than I have them ranked. And so <laughs> I put them down pretty low just because of their first week. Um, you know, their first week they didn't look super hot, um, and I think they're always kind of overrated. I, I think I mentioned that in the first or second episode. But, um, you know, I moved them up a spot this week just because I feel like I've been kind of unfair in the past. Um, and with my number nine, I've got Wisconsin. Uh, I think that, you know, and obviously if you listen to any episodes of this podcast, you know I'm pretty high on Wisconsin right now. Um, I think that they will be the Big Ten championship – or well, they'll be the Big Ten champions by the end of the season. Um, this week will be an indicator of that. You know, if, I think if they beat Michigan, um, then they've definitely got a chance against Ohio State later on in the season. And uh, I think that Jonathan Taylor, I think that Jack Cohen can uh, – and, and not to mention their O-line can bring them to that. So for my number nine team, I have Auburn, no movement. They had a 55-16 to 16 win over Kent State. Pretty impressive win. Auburn has some offensive struggles the first few weeks. Got over those this week. Huge matchup with Texas A&M in, uh, at Kyle Field this week. So we'll find out a lot more about Auburn this week. Um, number eight, another team with a bye week is Michigan. I've already alluded to their big matchup with Wisconsin. So winner takes Big Ten in my opinion. So – and I, I think this is a huge game for Jim Harbaugh. We, we'll get into that later in the show today. Right. With number eight for me, I've got Auburn. Uh, that's no movement. I think that they're a solid team. Um, and like you said, I think that they will have an indicator game this weekend against uh, Texas A&M. And I think that's going to be a tough matchup for them in Kyle Field. Um, but it will be an indicator. Uh, and we'll see who is truly the better team in the SEC West. Uh, with my number seven, no movement here, and came as a shock to the world last week. So I've got UCF at number seven. Uh, no, I mean they're a good team. I don't know why we're laughing here. I, they so they have, uh, you know, they, they've had their past two seasons uh, where they lost one game total, and that was, you know, that was against LSU in their bowl game last season. Um, they've looked very impressive this year. Um, I, I know that Stanford's not quite as good as we maybe thought they were and so you know I can't bump them up because of this win but I'm not going to move them down either oh lord uh, okay um 
we will disagree on that one probably till the end of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, um, I just, I, I just don't understand how you have them there, man. Like they I mean, haven't. We can duke anybody. it out if you want. I, I can beat they, you. They, they have not beat anyone yet, for real. I mean, you have them over Auburn, who has a big they, win. Over I mean, Oregon. they beat Auburn, right? That what two years ago? Yeah, like, man. Oh, that's that's great. Like this goes back to our conversation about the Hosman thing. You like to bring out this stuff in the past, like Corey Davis has an impact on what happens this year. Well, he might. No. Oh my lord. Oh good. Oh my goodness. Um. So my number seven is a team that deserves to be number seven, and it's Notre Dame. No movement. Mm. Big big win, sixty-six fourteen over New Mexico. Um. Who's they have that? some. Big, they they have some big games coming up. No worries. They have a, a yeah a game with Georgia next week. At, in Athens, so the if Notre Dame loss. pulls, if Notre Dame pulls that out, I think that I think the stock on Notre Dame is going to go through is going to go through the roof. Obviously, yeah, yeah. So big game next week. I'm looking forward to week four. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that is going to be a huge weekend of college football next week. Um, so for my number six team, no movement is Ohio State. Big uh. Dominant win, fifty-one to ten over Indiana. Justin Fields looked amazing. J.K. Dobbins looked amazing. The whole team looked amazing. I cannot wait to see this team play some real competition, so we can find out exactly who they are. Right. Uh, with my number six team, no movement here. Uh, so this is. Oh, I'm sorry. I take it back. They actually dropped a spot for me. Um, I flipped. I flipped two teams. Uh, number six, I've got Georgia. Um, you know, I think they're a good team. I just don't think they're quite as good as my next team on this list. Um, and I guess we won't really know that until later, I guess. Well, either in a bowl game or in the playoff, if these two teams make it, uh, we won't know who truly is the better team, but, um, you know, I can't really give a great explanation for why I put Georgia down other than I think that my number five team, Oklahoma, um, led by Jalen Hurts is a much better squad just because of the coaching by Lincoln Riley, the quarterback play by Jalen Hurts. Um, I mean, we, we have wide receiver CD lamb. Uh, ah, it, it's just a great team and, and it pains me to not put them in my top four, but my top four is just, I, I couldn't find anywhere else to put them. Yeah. It gets tough up here. Cause I think there's a lot of teams that deserve to be way up there. It's that they're fighting it out. Uh, so my number, number my number four, uh, five team, sorry, is Georgia, fifty-five to nothing win of Arkansas State. I can't justify moving them down, especially because that's a dominant win. But I can't move them up because I think teams above them have had have had better wins than them so far. Um, and my number four team's Alabama, forty-seven twenty-three win over South Carolina. Looked very impressive. Najee Harris is a monster. That that uh, catch he had where he hurdled a guy, broke three other tackles, just one of the plays of the year. Um, I'm just really looking forward to this team playing somebody. Got Southern Miss this week, not what I'm looking forward to. Good but team. later this, later in the season, um, they have some big games coming up. So I'm interested to see how good this team really is. All right, with my number four, I've got Ohio State. Um, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, J.K. Dobbins is a beast. Justin Fields has shown us that he is worth all the hype. Uh, this is a great squad, and this is where they were last week for me. Uh, so moving on to number three, another team that has remained stagnant for me in my list. I've got LSU. 
uh, you know, pulled off a win against Northwestern State, 65 to 14. I mean, it's Northwestern State, but I mean, you put up 65 points. I mean, that that is what it is. So they're number three for me. Yeah, uh, number three for me. No movement. Um, 48-14 win over UCLA, Oklahoma. We've already talked a lot about this team on this episode, so I'll just leave it at Jalen Hosman. Uh, so. Um, my number two team, no moving either. Big win, 65-14 win over Northwestern State. As Brandon said, it means something, putting up 65 points. Joe Burrow looked fine to me. I mean, he had a, uh, the team had a slow first half, really first quarter. Um, they pulled it together. We'll find out a lot more about this team later in the season. little note about that game. Uh, the two touchdowns that Northwestern State scored were the first two touchdowns they've ever scored against LSU. Uh, these two teams met you know, several times in the past. They're both in Louisiana. First two touchdowns for this team. I think LSU was just being a hospitable uh, host. Um, <laughs> moving on to number two, uh, I've got Alabama. No movement, which you know, indicates my number one. But uh, no movement for Alabama this week. Uh, you know They put up pretty good numbers against South Carolina. They look good. Um, uh, I don't think this is a very good South Carolina team, but it still is SEC play. Um, I mean, and if your quarterback puts up 444 yards and five touchdowns, your team's pretty good. So I've got them at number two. And uh, my number one is Clemson, of course. I'm not going to – I've said this in the past. I'm not going to drop them down until they lose a game. There's there's no reason to. Um, yeah, I mean, they're Clemson. Uh, and they're the same team they were last year, you know, minus you know the three D linemen that were drafted in the top ten of the – of the NFL draft this year. Yeah, also Clemson, number one, no movement. Um, so that ends this horrible, boring segment this week, guys. So we are sorry for that. But next week, there are a bunch of ranked matchups and expect some movements in the top 15 because we're going to find out who in the top 15, top 25 are really contenders or, the, or are they pretenders. Yeah, and big thanks to anybody who didn't fall asleep during that segment or turn the podcast off. Um so let's move on uh, to our hot seats. So, uh, you know, this is a segment where we basically just say who's in trouble in, in college football, who uh, maybe isn't doing so well, who we think may be out of a job or who's, you know, might not be a starter next week, whatever it is. Uh, Zach and I have chosen a few of these. And so I'll let Zach start. Yeah. So, my number one on my hot seat list is Willie Taggart at Florida State, the head coach there. They've had a, had a rough start to the season, to say the least. They gave up a big lead to Boise State, and they gave up another lead to Virginia. Virginia came back. Um, he also – I don't know if you guys saw this. He also called out his office of coordinator for clock management and play calling publicly. He got asked at a press conference about the end of the game and the play call and what happened with the clock. And he said um, that he doesn't call the plays and to ask his offensive coordinator. Um, if that doesn't indicate some inside problems and some hostility maybe between uh, coaches, I don't know what does. Right. Um, and along the same lines, uh, my first on the hot seat is just the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, we, we see the, uh, we see Pittsburgh kind of give this game away. Uh, this is definitely a game that they could have brought into overtime at Penn state, which would have been super impressive for this pit team. 
Um, and Zach and I already talked about it. But, you know, this is a team that, for whatever reason, uh, Coach Narduzzi thought, uh, well, let's pass twice on, you know, within five yards of the goal line and then try to kick a field goal so that we're still down. And his reasoning for that was that they would have to score twice to be able to win. That's just not good reasoning. I, I don't know a coach in the country that would have done that. And so for that reason, I've got him on my hot seat. Well, that doesn't end it for the city of Pittsburgh for me. I know we're a college football podcast. Um, but, you know, we saw yesterday on NFL Sunday, Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, is injured. Uh, he is having an MRI on his elbow today. Not only that, but the Antonio Brown thing has been, uh, has been pretty rough for this city. And so I've put the whole city on the hot seat here. Um, yeah, so that, that, that is what it is. Mm, wow. Yeah, I didn't even know about Ben Roethlisberger. Apparently I'm just out of the loop. Um, We're big college football guys. Not NFL. Yeah, so uh, I even have Sunday ticket. There's no reason for me to do that. Um, oh, dude, underutilized. Yeah. So number two on my list might come as a little bit of a shock to you guys. It's Will Muschamp at South Carolina. Head coach there. As we heard, they lost to Alabama this weekend. They're one and two this year after a loss to North Carolina in week one. They still have a tough schedule. They still have to play Missouri, which is looking on the up and up. Kentucky looked pretty strong this weekend, even in their loss. It's, then they have Georgia, Florida, Texas A&M, and Clemson. Um, that is a murderer's row toward the end of the season. Um, and Will Muschamp has no signature wins at South Carolina. There's nothing he can point to that says, I should have this job. And these South Carolina fans have big expectations. And I think he's going to have to upset a good a good bit of teams later in the year to keep his job or at least buy him more time than maybe just next year because I think the fans and the AD and a lot of the upper management is going to get tired of the mediocrity that he's brought to South Carolina right and, and this is one of the things where I mean growing up watching South Carolina um, I mean historically I mean they've been a pretty good team uh, you know when we were in high school uh, we saw South Carolina, you know, consistently ranked. I mean, but I guess that was more in the Jadavian Clowney years, more in the Connor Shaw years. And so um, they're not looking too hot right now. And I guess that's why you've got their head coach on the hot seat. Um, but moving on, you know, with my, my second on my hot seat, I've got Clay Helton back on the hot seat. Um, I think Urban Meyer's probably on a plane to LA right now, right now. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's just because Keaton Slovis couldn't bail him out this week. Uh, you know, he threw three interceptions, two touchdowns. Um, I already said we overreacted on this player. I think he's good, but I don't think he's as good as we made him out to be. I don't know that Clay Helton keeps his job after this year. Uh, I mean, and that's not just because uh, maybe this team isn't as good as we thought they were. But if you're, you know, if Urban Meyer shows any interest in your program, I feel like it could be almost any program in the country and you're firing your head coach and you're hiring Urban Meyer. Wow. Okay. I don't agree with that one, but. Whew. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think Keaton Slovis does enough for him to keep his job this year. All right. I don't know if Urban Meyer is fully committed to coming back, but we'll see. We'll see. Oh, if they like lose I said, a, if the, I don't think that he knows he's coming back, but he's coming back. <laughs> They're going to throw the checkbook at him. No, that's what I'm saying. 
Oh, Lord. So I I have another coach that I think Brandon's going to have a stroke that he's on the hot seat. I think a lot of our listeners might have a stroke. Um, but I have Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan head coach. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to leave now. They, they, they had a bye week. Hear me out, though. If they lose next week to Wisconsin, I don't know how he keeps his job if they don't win out. So you have Wisconsin next week. They have Iowa still. We all know how Iowa plays. They have Penn State, who still is Penn State. They have Notre Dame, which is a top 10 team. They have Maryland, who outside of this week has looked pretty good. You have Michigan State, that's always a tough game. And then they have the granddaddy of them all, Ohio State, which Jim Harbaugh has failed to win as a head coach. If they if they lose to Wisconsin and Ohio State, I think these Michigan fans and Michigan upper management is going to just say enough in that we're paying you just as much as Nick Saban to constantly get us to the Citrus Bowl. Um, I don't think so. And I think Jim Harbaugh is going to be on his way out, maybe even back to the NFL. So I, I really think this is a playoff or bust year for Jim Harbaugh. Okay. And actually that's a perfect segue to my uh, number three on my hot seat, which um, let's go ahead and shock the world. Uh, third on my hot seat is Zach. Um, Zach is on my hot seat this week uh, because of statements like that statements like Clay Helton has more job security than Jim Harbaugh. Uh, you know, maybe picking games like thinking Stanford can beat UCF in Orlando. That's nuts. I don't know what your, what your mind was. Um, and before that, we see Zach choosing uh, USF over Wisconsin in week one. I just think we need to have a talk is all. <laughs> I just got to stop picking again. I just have to stop picking games in South Florida is what I it looks know. like. I don't know what you need to do, but, like, we <laughs> – I've started fading your picks, Zach. I mean, that, that, that's, this is where it's going. I don't know, man. If you would have listened to my upset of the week pick, which we'll get into later, you might have won your upset of the week. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's, <laughs> let's move. You have Alabama at number four. Are you kidding me? Uh, okay, who are you moving down? No, I already gave you my top 15. Okay. So you really think Alabama this year, regardless of previous years, looks better than LSU and Oklahoma? Zach, Zach I'm not – I'm not on the hot seat. You are. Oh boy. You so let's move on. <laughs> let's get burned up with sure UCF is number seven in the country. Okay. Well, let's move on to our next segment, top performers. Um, and, and this is pretty self-explanatory too, kind of like our Heisman um, segment. So I'm not going to re-explain this one. Uh, Zach, why don't you go ahead and start? So my number one top performer of the week is Temple. Um, they beat, probably the most hyped up team the first two weeks of the season in Maryland, 20 to 17. Um, this offense was just rolling, scoring over a hundred, I think 10 points in the first two weeks. They held them to 17 points and really they held the offense to 13 points because they gave up two safeties. So the defense for Temple, I don't know what kind of game plan they did, but they had Maryland just, confused and they outgained Maryland 427 to 340 yards they they lost the turnover battle but just beat Maryland outright so I'm going to give a shout out to all the all the Temple listeners out there um Temple is the top performer of the week yeah um that's a good pick 
Uh, my top performer of the week is Jalen Hurts. Um, I feel like I disrespected him with my Heisman picks. You did. Don't know how I had. I don't know how he slipped my mind. Um, Jalen Heisman went 15 for 20 this week against UCLA, 289 yards and three touchdowns. Not to mention, you know, a rushing touchdown and 150 yards on the ground. I mean, those numbers speak for themselves. Uh, speak for themselves. And so, um, Jalen Hurts is the best player in college football. I think he's, I mean, he's almost got this thing locked up in week three. Oh, yeah, but Justin Herbert's still a better quarterback than him. Ah, I hope that clip plays in your nightmares, how you ordered that Justin Herbert is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. No, I mean, I cry myself to sleep, but that's for other reasons. (laughs) Oh, man. So my second top performer of the week is, in general, the state of Kansas. There we go. Um, Kansas beat Boston College Friday night 48-24. to while Kansas State went into Starkville and beat Mississippi State 31-24. Um, I heard a wild stat after the, after the K-State game. Um, this is the first time Kansas and Kansas State have both won a Power 5 row game in the same week since 2006. Um, I, I mean, I'm just thinking back, and I'm like, were my little brothers even born in 2006? I mean – that is insane. That is a long time ago, in case you guys are wondering. And, <laughs> yeah, 13 years is pretty long. Yeah, and Kansas hasn't won a Power 5 road game since 2008. So this was a big weekend for the state of Kansas. Um, and I believe this was the first time Kansas State has beaten an SEC team on the road. And the first time they've beaten, SEC, uh, beat, beaten an SEC team during the regular season, not in a bowl game since like 1980. So this was a huge weekend for the state of Kansas and shout out to all the Kansas listeners out there. All right. So with my number two, I've got Dylan Gabriel, uh, the quarterback for UCF. I'm pretty high on this team, obviously. And I mean, for this freshman quarterback to start out three and O this season. um, And not only that, I mean, but for this week specifically, he went 22 for 33 passing. 347 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, 350 yards. Are you kidding me? As a, as a, he's a true freshman too. He's not even a red shirt. Uh, this kid, I mean, that's impressive. And I think he's got, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Hmm. So my third top performer is my favorite. I'm so happy. I give this team a shout out, shout out to the Citadel. Um, Excuse me. Going into Atlanta, Georgia, and beating Georgia Tech 27-24. to I mean, they only allowed 301 yards while rushing themselves for 320. That's just rushing, guys. They outrushed what the other team gained throughout the, throughout the whole game. And um, they lost to Townsend and Elon the first two weeks of the season, but will, shall not be deterred and still came out and beat Georgia Tech. So the legend lives on. Do not schedule the Citadel. They almost had Bama last year, so they extracted their revenge and took down Georgia Tech. All right. Uh, with my number three, uh, I actually didn't know that we were choosing three, and so I didn't have one. I'll put Jalen Hurts as my number three as well. Um, I think the two spots is pretty necessary for me leaving off my Heisman list last week. 
<laughs> you, I, I still like am shook that you are that you argued Justin Herbert and Jonathan think, Taylor deserved I think, it. I think what happened was when I was making my list, I was like, "All right, we got to get some people that Zach won't have." Um, but I'll stand by my picks. I think that I think that Justin Herbert's a great quarterback. Oh, he's he could be a great quarterback, but he's not Jalen Hosman. We aren't calling him Justin Hosman. It is Jalen Hosman for life. You shouldn't even said that. All right. <laughs> um, let's move on to our playoff picture. Um, once again, our probably our most confusing segment uh, because our playoff picture is not at all our top four in um, in our top 15 rankings, but we do each have a playoff picture set to go, and I'll let Zach start. Yeah, so if you listen to our last – recap episode nothing has changed um i still have clemson at one lsu at two oklahoma at three michigan at four i think these are the four teams that are going to win the major conferences this year pac-12 gets left out um i think lsu and clemson and oklahoma have been the three best teams this year so far and i think michigan slips in at four because they take on a big a good big and they went out through that. And I think they can survive a loss on, along the road, but I still think they get in at four. And my first two teams out are still Georgia and Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame, if they lose a game, are going to be right on the cusp like they are, and they just aren't going to get in because of the perception of their performance last year, which I think is a little unfair. And um, I think Georgia is just the lone SEC team out because they lose to LSU in the uh, SEC championship. All right, all right. So I've got I've got mine has changed a little bit this week. Um, it's not exactly what it was last week. I wanted to switch some things up. Uh, with my number one, I've got Clemson. I think they'll finish out number one in the nation. They'll win the ACC. Um, number two, I've got Wisconsin. Still super high on this team. I think they win the Big Ten. Um, and I think they prove a lot of people wrong. And so uh, they end up number two for me. Uh, number three, I've got Oklahoma behind Jalen Heisman. Um, you know, and they, they could very well end up number two in the nation, uh, looking back at my list. Uh, with number four, I've got LSU. Uh, and that's only because I think that at some point in the season they drop a game. But I do think that they win the SEC championship. Um, and so I've got them as my SEC champion and at number four on my list with my first two out being Alabama. And I took UCF out because I was getting made fun of. I was kind of getting bullied on the, on the podcast. So I've got Texas as my, uh, as my number six in the nation. Um, I think what ends up happening, you know, it's just my prediction. I've got them beating Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. And then I think that they lose to Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. You have them beating Oklahoma. I think so, man. Oh uh, my goodness! That come on, that rivalry is always up in the air. What happened last year? Yeah, last year they didn't have Jalen Hosman. Well, no, but they had. I mean, they had Kyler Murray. Ah, uh, Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Kyler he's, Murray. I mean, he's a better quarterback, but let's talk about athletes. I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts has led the team in rushing every game, and that's pretty. That's pretty I mean, athletic. I mean, Zach, you're gonna be you're gonna be my dumpster fire if, if this continues. So. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, that, uh, let's move on to our brand new segment, dumpster fires. Zach, can you explain this one to everybody? Yeah. So each week, me and Brandon will pick one team, one person, one player, one play, whatever we want, 
as the dumpster fire of the week. Um, this is just, this could be a team that we just don't understand what's going on. This could be a head coach that is just blowing our mind. This could have been just a moment during the week where it just showed the true colors of something that we just totally didn't grasp. So this is just something that really disappointed us <laughs> throughout the week. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and yeah. start. So my dumpster fire, uh, I guess if you've listened to any episode recently, UCLA is my dumpster fire of life at this point. Of life? Um, Chip Kelly, fire Chip Kelly. Just get someone get that tattoo. Like you I'll see all it. this social media stuff that people get in tattoos. Someone, someone get a fire Chip Kelly tattoo. Um, Owen three start and they still have Washington state. They still have Stanford. They still have Arizona who look good late. If you stayed up till three o'clock in the morning, they have Arizona state who just beat Michigan state. They have Colorado who upset Nebraska. They have Utah, which is a top 15 team in the country. And they still have USC with Keith and Slovis. I mean, when does UCLA draw the line? I mean, if he goes 0 and 12, do you fire him or do you let him have another year? And the question I have is, when does what he did at Oregon not save his job? Because I think it's pretty apparent that he is not the same coach that he was at Oregon. And I don't think any credibility should be given to him based on what he did at Oregon. And I think UCLA needs to move on ASAP. All right. So moving on to my dumpster fire of the week. Um, I've got Florida's offense as my dumpster fire. It just – Nothing that they do makes sense. Um, you know, Felipe Franks is out with an injury now. He dislocated his ankle. I mean, that's an awful injury. I wasn't too high on him to start, but, I mean, that's nothing that we want to see, especially from, you know, this quarterback. Everyone was so high on this year. Um, but after he was out is when Florida made their comeback to beat Kentucky this week, and, and nothing made sense to me. I mean, their their rushing game was – I mean, their top rusher was uh, was – you know, someone who carried the ball one time for 76 yards, scored a touchdown. If anybody saw the game, that's the one that, you know, kind of put the nail in the coffin. It was Josh Hammond. Uh, I mean, but other than that, uh, their, you know, their rushing game was like, I think they were averaging like two yards a carry. It, it was terrible. Um, but in, in any case, I mean, their quarterback, you know, their backup quarterback came in, didn't throw any touchdowns. Uh, I, the team doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't understand Florida. Um, they're somehow, I think they're a paradox. They just, I can't, I can't fully understand what they're doing ever. You know, they come in every season everyone's so high on them. They're somehow three and O after, you know, they should have lost two games. Uh, it, I don't think that Florida really won this game. I think Kentucky gave this one away. Uh, I think Kentucky was, you know, they were they were supposed to win this game from the second quarter on, and then they kind of gave it away at the very end. So even if Florida is 3-0, they are my dumpster fire, or their offense is my dumpster fire, I think that this somehow comes back to bite them. They can't keep doing this, right? Yeah, they're not going to be 3-0 for long. Uh, in case our listeners are wondering, their leading rusher outside of Josh Hammond what was the Michael Piran. 14 carries for 27 yards. Yeah, see, that's – what is that? Those aren't numbers. I mean, that's horrible. 
That is horrible. But let's move on two yards, Gary. <laughs> to move on to our last and final segment, um, we actually have our recap of our upsets of the week pick. Yikes. Um, yeah, so uh, as the person who is 2-0 and on his upset of the week picks, I'm going to defer to Brandon, who is the loser of his upset of the week pick this week. Kind of a weird brag to to talk about a segment. Talk about how you're so good at guessing games that there are going to be upsets. <laughs> I had reasons for my ups- my both my upsets of the week. Don't hate. Don't hate, man. Not a good look. I mean, I'm sorry that you're a nerd. Uh, I mean, I, I went with my heart on this one. I thought that Dana Holgerson, and he still is a good coach. Uh, and Houston, oh, man. And I didn't – okay, so uh, full disclosure, didn't know this game was on Friday night. I'm out to eat dinner on Friday night, and I look up at one of the TVs in the restaurant, and I see, <laughs> I see Washington State Houston, and I was like, well, that's a weird replay because they haven't played recently, I don't think. And I realized <laughs> that it was live. And I was like, I was like, oh, Houston can't be losing. This is a close game, but they can't be losing this. I mean, you know, they lost by a touchdown. Uh, the spread was eight and a half points. I think I still win this one. I mean, they covered the spread. The, 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 the segment isn't who can cover the spread of the week. It is upset. You have to win, my guy. Dude, I don't know. Uh, How about, okay, so next week – We'll start a segment where we'll pick an upset of the week where your team has to win, and then we'll pick a Brandon needs a team who will almost win to make himself feel better segment of the week. <laughs> I mean, if we need to do it, we need to do it. Uh, we'll give the uh, okay, we'll find out a, na- a good name of the segment, and you guys will get that next week. Next episode, actually, because <laughs> ne- next episode will be our preview of week four. Yeah, plug that. All right. Well, who, who's your Zach since, since you're so anxious and you're so eager to, to talk about how good you are about so, picking upsets? So my upset of the week was Kansas State over Mississippi State. Uh, really went out on a limb there. The, the, what are you talking about, man? The line was like, what, eight and a half before the game? Yeah. That's a, that's a mean spread, bro. <laughs> like, that's over a touchdown. Oh, that's sick, dude. Oh my lord! At least like what was your upset of the week last week? The spread was like three and a half. It was Nebraska, Colorado. Oh my goodness! Nebraska was three ranked. and a half. It does. Who cares? Th- th- their height was ridiculous. Oh, you were all over it. I, I was. I had them third in their division, bro. That's like eight and four. That's not <laughs> hype. <laughs> their oh. national championship odds were out the roof. Um. But, yeah, so I had K-State over Mississippi State on the road. Um, it was a sloppy win for Kansas State, um, but they still played good enough to win. There were six total turnovers in the game. Um, but if you really watched the game, Kansas State could have run away with it. They had a muff punt inside Mississippi State territory where Mississippi State recovered and scored three plays later. And then Kansas State picks off – Tommy Stevens returns it back into Mississippi State territory and then fumbles it. So that's a two. That could have been a two touchdown swing. And I think K State just looked like the more physical. Uh, they look like the better team. And I think Mississippi State could be in for a long year. And I think a lot of those fans are going to be wishing that Dak Prescott didn't run out of eligibility. Right. <laughs> And you mentioned the uh, the worst alarm clock in the world being the cowbells in the last episode. And that's actually what happened to me. I woke up Saturday morning and I was just – I mean, I woke up for college game day, kind of dozed off, 
And then I just heard cowbells ringing. And, dude, when I tell you that there is no worse sound in this world than just 30,000 cowbells banging against each other. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised it was 30,000, man. They showed a picture of the crowd around third quarter, I believe, and there was no one there. And I was just confused because, like, I get it was hot and it was early, but, like, what else are you doing in Stark Vegas, man? I mean – Stark Vegas. The the glory days are over. Like, y'all just just go to the games. Like, there's nothing else to do. Y'all live in a cow pasture. Like, what's going on down there, man? No, it's tough. And in all seriousness, I mean, that was – I didn't see it coming. I mean, uh, you know, K-State's a good team. Like I said, I think they have a lot of potential. Um, and, you know, I mentioned the last episode, I don't think that they're going to even come close to winning the Big 12 in any of the upcoming years, but they do have a lot of potential. Um, and it's a team that's on the rise right now. So uh, that was a good pick by you, I guess. <laughs> Stay tuned for more Upset of the Week picks for me because since I know what I'm doing – Heart doesn't win you upsets of the week. Thinking yeah, does, guys. It, it wins you life. So let's <laughs> – we're going to go ahead and end it uh, in this episode here. Um, you know, thanks again to everybody for listening. Uh, big announcement. We we showed up at Apple headquarters, and we got our podcast up on Apple Podcasts now. So uh, you probably know that by now if you are listening on the app. But if you're still listening on Spotify or uh, – anchor or pocket cast or anything just know we are available on apple Podcasts as well yeah but we worked real hard to get that for you guys i know we've had some requests about that so please check us out on there please leave us a review on what you think of the podcast um always five stars and subscribe yeah, definitely five stars and subscribe um we, we're gonna keep bringing you guys more content we're gonna keep keep you guys updated on everything episode Bi-weekly episodes are coming. Um, I mean, there's just a lot more we have planned for you guys. So please keep up with the podcast. Keep listening. Let us know what you guys think. Um, tell your friends. Tell your ex-girlfriends. Tell your family. Tell your pets. I don't care. Tell everybody. Um, but we appreciate everyone who goes out here, who actually downloads our stuff and listens. We cannot thank you guys enough. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh you know, and do subscribe. And actually, you know, maybe, maybe if someone asks you to take a picture for them, maybe at a football game, maybe wherever you're at, go on their podcast app and subscribe to us from there. That way we can actually um, succeed in this business. Uh, we, we love doing this. You know, we want to give you guys the content you want. Uh, so speaking of that, follow us on all of our social media and our DMS are open. You know, we have Instagram, uh, Facebook, and we are still trying to get our handle on Twitter. But as of right now, we are at T blue bloods on Twitter. It's obscure, but that calculus account is killing us. Twitter won't do anything about it. Maybe we'll have to storm their headquarters next. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> but definitely follow us on Instagram. It's at, the underscore blue bloods um we post probably once or twice every single day just about um it it's a very active account please come follow like share everything um you can you can find out when new episodes are dropping um we try to stay pretty consistent with that anyway we post cool stuff about like what we talk about on our podcast we'll, we keep up with how, how good we are doing in our pick six uh segments we will post about different games and 
post about post our playoff fixture, things like that. So stay tuned for all that kind of stuff and definitely go follow us so you can keep up with what's going on with the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, keep listening, uh, you know, give us, uh, any suggestions you may have. We'd love to interact with our fans, uh, people who listen. I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and reiterate this, uh, this point, but I mean, thank everybody so much for listening. Um, we never thought that we'd have five people who wanted to listen to us. And now we have 50 who listen to every episode and, uh, you know, I'm grateful for it. I know Zach is. Um, and so we want to keep, con- uh, making content for y'all, uh, watch out for new episodes of the podcast, keep with our social media and that's a wrap.